How are you feeling, church? Are you feeling the presence of God today? Oh, wow. Feels good, doesn't it? Wow. It's been a wonderful, wonderful week. And I know that everyone that has been part of it, you, you just say absolutely amen to that, right? It's just been a wonderful, wonderful week. And even, f- you know, what I wore yesterday, I still wore my VBS shirt yesterday, even after wearing it all week long. <laughs> it just felt like I needed to just keep wearing it. But, uh, oh, yeah, it was good. What a great week and just a great opportunity to just come together at the ending of such a great mission and be in prayer and be in praise and just just revel in awe in the majesty of God. And it's not done in this church because our students leave tomorrow morning for youth camp this week. Yeah. And, you know, the, the opportunities that, uh, that is afforded during these two weeks, not just to be on mission, but to go and for the, and to be these students to just absorb this next week. And I challenged you last week that if you weren't able to be here, to be praying during the 6 to 8.30 hour each night, to be praying for whatever difficulties or whatever to just be lifted off of us and allow us to have freedom to be able to speak into the lives of these children. But this week, I know that even the majority of us won't be going to youth camp. There's what? How many, Mike? 24 of us are going. We need to be praying for those 24, and we need to take up the challenge to be praying for those 24 during the course of these next uh, four, four and a half days um, as they go down to youth camp, and for all the other students that will be there as well. But, you know, we want them to come back and to bring that back here to us and what they're going to absorb this week. And so so I challenge you still to be in prayer. And, and, and pray that there are no difficulties with the vehicles, no difficulties with what anybody eats and the resulting cause of, of, those, of that food, right? But the intake of Scripture and God's Word and the messages this week, and to be praying for that for those 24 that are going, because it's not just teenagers that are going, but also adults. Some adults are going, and uh, we, we want, it's going to mean as much to them as well to be down there during uh, these these four days, four and a half days on, on back. So let, can, we, can we just all together acknowledge that we're going to be in prayer? Can we say amen? amen. All right, I'm holding you to that, okay? Uh, in case you didn't know why you were here and you were logged into our church's Wi-Fi, uh, Pastor Mike has put one of them trackers on everybody's phones where we're going to hear everything that you do <laughs> from here on out for the rest of the week. And I promise you it would only be this week, okay? All right, so be in prayer. Road signs, uh, we're in this sermon series this month uh, discussing road signs and the spiritual application of these road signs. So you, we see road signs everywhere. You have signs that warn you of crosswalks. Yellow diamond-shaped signs that say pedestrian crossing, um, bicycle crossing, or student crossing if you're near a school, right? You know what I'm talking about, those yellow signs? I have a question for you. There's also this crossing sign that says deer crossings. Can anyone explain to me why do they put those in the middle of the road, out in the middle of nowhere? 
Why don't they put them at a stop sign or a stoplight like they do pedestrians and give them the same respect as everybody else? I just don't get that. Perhaps at our next council meeting, we should bring that up and find out, find out why. So last week, we talked about the U-turn uh, and about how the, that sign reminds us of repentance, of turning our lives back over to God to repent. Today, we're going to explore what it means to surrender, and to do so, we're going to use the yield sign to help illustrate that. And I'm sure you know what that means, what that is. A yield sign is, is, is telling you as you are driving that, that you need to be slowing down and to yield to something that's oncoming, you know, oncoming traffic or something of that nature. You need to yield to someone else. It's a sign that basically says that you do not have the right of way any longer, that someone else has the right of way, and that you have to respect that person's uh, right of way. So when we're talking about yielding in a spiritual sense, it means we are giving God the right of way with our lives. That we recognize that we no longer have the right of way when it comes to our lives. Now that goes against a lot of what we uh, hear in our culture uh, and especially in, in our music. You could go back a few generations to Frank Sinatra's famous song, Remember what he said? I lived a life that's full. I've tra traveled each and every highway. But more, much more than this. I did it my way. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's how you handle it. How you lead it. How you govern yourself. Where you go and how you uh, um, overcome. And how you pave a way. And the path that you pave. That motto isn't the motto of the Christian. That motto should not be the motto of, of, the, of the believer in Jesus Christ. It has no place at all. But we do live a lot of our lives. It's my life. It's my decision. It's my choice. It's what I want to do. This is my story. But here's what we remember. Jesus said, unless you deny yourself that's what jesus said now the beauty of learning how to hand control over to the lord to the holy spirit to jesus to god i love listening to testimonies on the subject i love listening to testimonies listening to the testimony of the person who finally got it who understands that that being in control wasn't all that it's cracked up to be that yielding control that that is where life truly finds its fullest richness. So take a listen to this testimony, please. Good morning. My name is Lorraine, and Pastor Doug asked me to share some of my testimony with you this morning. So I'd like to start by telling you that I was not raised in a Christian home. We did go to church on Easter and and Christmas, and that was the extent of it. I never heard the plan of salvation. Uh, fortune telling, tarot card reading, and at one point I was even regressed into a previous life I, I supposedly had. And um, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, that to me would just, it was not, um, it was not serious. That's just how I lived. In my early 20s, I ended up marrying someone who was an alcoholic who beat me, and it didn't last long. After that marriage ended, I 
realized I had no respect for myself and no respect for men, which led to um, years of dating all the wrong people. And also, um, I became a pretty heavy drinker. I think back on the times that I drove home and did not remember how I got there. The, the things that could have happened um, to other people because of what I did and, and how I drank. Um, but the Lord protected me. He took care of me. He didn't allow anything bad to happen to other people or myself because of my bad and uh, evil choices that I made. Eventually, I um, got a job at Georgia Tech and um, encountered this, this woman who came to my office and she said that she had been praying for me and I did not understand what she was talking about. I just, I didn't understand it. She also was the one who left tracks all over the workplace on bookshelves. We used to call her, well, I used to call her a Jesus freak because she would sit in the faculty lounge and read her Bible. I did not understand anything about her. And um, she used to tell me that she was praying for me. Didn't understand that because I she didn't know who I was. But she said she was praying for the person who took this position, which I thought was um, interesting, not understanding what she meant. But one day I took a track off of a shelf, took it back to my office, and I read it, and it clearly outlined a life with Jesus and a life without Jesus and where you would go and what it meant. At the end of that track, there was a sinner's prayer. I said the sinner's prayer and got saved. The There was no, um, you know, I didn't feel anything except, now I had what was referred to as a sailor's mouth. And the Lord did not want me using his name the way I was using it. So instantly, I stopped swearing. My vocabulary changed, and I immediately knew that that's what happened. It was um, pretty amazing, and we should never be amazed at what the Lord does and his capabilities in our life. So very thankful looking back on my life and how he protected me and how he took care of me and how he saw my future, a future that I never saw. But I'm so happy that uh, he came into my life when he did and uh, he saved me. He tells us that we are a new creature and I can attest to that. The life I used to live, I can talk about the kind of person I was, it doesn't bother me because I know I'm not that person anymore and I just praise him for saving my soul. Thank you for allowing me to share my testimony with you. Good morning. Amen. A life that has changed, a life that yielded, a life that handed over itself over to God. 
I love testimonies. I love listening to testimonies. I'm so thankful to Miss Lorraine for sharing uh, hers with you this morning. In a lot of ways, the Christian life is an exercise in learning how to yield control over to Christ. Every day, learning what it means to hand something over to the Lord. When, when we encourage others to believe in Christ, we ask them to do two things. We ask them to make Jesus their what and what? Their Lord and Savior, right? We, we say you need to invite Jesus in to be your Lord and Savior. Uh, and, and, you know, to get past that hesitancy. And once you do that, in a lot of ways, it's easy to say, yes, I need Jesus to be my Savior. I need someone who died so that my sins can be atoned for, that my sins may be paid for. I need that. But the difficult part is the lordship of Christ. That is the daily, oh man, this, I need to give this to God. You know, I, I can't reserve this for myself. That is a challenge, making him Lord. It's more than just giving him a title. It's yielding control, yielding something that you have been in charge of up to a certain point. Uh, something that you've been in control of. And depending upon your age, for however long it had been, that can be difficult, can't it? That can be a challenge. Here you go, Lord. This is now yours. Here, Jesus, take this. You are my Lord. And this is the challenge because we are the ones who want to be king of the castle, lord of the manor. But the Christian life, well, let me say it differently. The, the way to eternal life begins by acknowledging and making Jesus Lord. Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord. Last week, we ended with this passage of scripture from Matthew 16, 24. And if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever wants to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for me will find it this this verse this is this is key this is foundational this is a starting point for us on our spiritual walk on our christian journey it begins by acknowledging that he must increase and i must decrease what does it mean to make him lord denying self Learning to yield, letting Jesus have right of way, putting ourselves behind him and in line with him, and letting him take lead, which is so much easier said than done. So we have someone like Jonah in scripture, a quote, man of God. And here's what scripture says to him, that the word of the Lord came to him and said, go to Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah did what? He ran away from the Lord. And he didn't just run away. He went as far as humanly possible at the time. As known as possible at the time. He went as far west as he possibly could. Because Nineveh was in the east. So he went and he bought a ticket for a ship bound for Joppa. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Here's Jonah, a man who's received a clear calling. He's received the word of the Lord, but he didn't want to do it. So he ran away and he ran as far as he could. In fact, he, he, just, he ran and he didn't care 
that it was the Lord that was talking to him. How many times have we not cared that this is God the creator, God the maker, this is God Yahweh, this is the God speaking directly to our heart, and we're saying, no. Not going to do it. I am master of my domain. I am my own decision maker. Verse 15 in chapter 1 says, Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. Why? Because there was a raging sea. So they threw him overboard and immediately the sea grew calm. In verse 17, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. And then chapter 2 verse 1, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. I think I would too. Jonah decided finally who was going to take lead because to tell you the truth, he realized he wasn't in the lead. He wasn't in the front of the line. He wasn't in charge. God made sure to show him, hey, I'm the one. I'm in the lead. And when he decided to finally yield his life over to God and finally to say to God, okay, God, you're God, I'll do as you ask. Well, God commanded that great fish to puke him up on the seashore. That's the JDT version of, of, of scripture there. So I've always wondered, who would God have sent next if Jonah didn't go? Have you ever asked yourself that? Who would God have sent if Jonah just said no? Here's what I believe is that if God preserved Jonah for three days and three nights in the belly of that great fish, he would have preserved him four days and four nights, five days and five nights, six days, a week, a month, until Jonah said, all right, you're Lord, I am not. Here's my point here, is that many of us are still in the belly of a great fish, holding on to reins of our life, believing that I am the one in control, and I'm not yielding. I'm not giving an inch. I'm not handing over. And, it, and it's pretty evident in your life. It's present. It's there. You're living in misery in the belly of a fish, refusing to yield. And you know why. You know exactly why. And it may be because of the influence of a particular sin, a habit Something that has taken hold of you. It's something you know that the Lord doesn't want in the life of his child who professes Jesus as Savior, but you've refused to do anything regarding it. Or maybe it's like Jonah, it's like a calling. You know that he is calling you. And you're, you've dug your heels in because there are better things waiting for you. Better things that this world has to offer Better things for you to spend your time and your talents doing. So there is this war that is taking place within your life. And you're refusing to recognize why. You're refusing to acknowledge why. A hurt, a habit, a hang-up, a codependency, a substance. Whether you're looking for love in all the wrong places or in too many faces... Or it's with what you're going to do with your life, your skills, your talent, your career, and you're struggling and you're fighting and you're wrestling over something and you know what the Lord is calling you to do and you are holding on saying no. 
Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. Oh, we can plan out. We can, we can chart it out. But the Lord knows how to step in. Well, and make life miserable until we recognize what on earth we're here for. None of us are truly, are, are truly in control. But we have a way of upending things. And making a mess of things. Making a wreck of things. Cleaning it up. Well, that's a little bit outside of our box. So what does it look like to yield? First point that we all must come to this side of heaven. Admit that God's way is best. There's no other. There is none other. There is only one. Our insistence on our way rather than God's way explains a lot of our experiences in life and why we are in this wrestling match daily. We, sp we spend so much time arguing with God about how our way is better than his and we feel like that our reasoning makes more sense than his, that we have chosen these terms like contemporary and modern and progressive and with the times or up to date and any way that's dealing with God's way is, is traditional or conservative and, and we've made those, those terms out to, to sound vulgar when we use them. As if God's way are just so out of touch they don't understand. I've even shared with you the story from a friend whose grandson was in that car wreck last month. And, and his Christian friend who was driving died. And that Christian friend had, had been witnessing to, to him, to her grandson. And at that funeral, I understand that at that funeral, it was all about Jesus. All about praising Jesus. And, it, and uh, his, his family leads a ministry back in McDelphi County. And from, from what I understand, that it, it was just, uh, just a, a big worship moment at, the, at his funeral. And she has taken the time to speak to him about God giving him another chance to see. And his reply to her is that he's just not ready yet. He has too much life to live. And when, it, when the time is right, then he'll give his life to Christ. Many of us live the way we want. And when we think that we've gotten to a certain point, then we're ready. Okay, now I've lived my life. Now I can give it over to Jesus. But unfortunately for some, they don't get that opportunity. They don't get that chance. For others, it means being taken or being driven down to their lowest point. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it ends in death. So no matter how progressive or, or liberal or free thinking or, or liberating you feel like your philosophy is, the way that seems right, the way may seem and feel good. But understand and know this, that there is coming a day. And without Jesus as Savior and Lord over your life, there is coming a day 
when you will be held to account. To yield means you're giving God the right of way in your life. But it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean, point two, that your life is over. One of the church's favorite songs to sing is I Surrender All. It was written back in 1896 by a man named Judson in Ohio. He was 41 years old and a school teacher. His life already established. But there was something pressing on him. And it was to become an evangelist. And here's what he writes. At the last, or at last, the pivotal hour of my life came and I surrendered all. A new day was ushered into my life and I became an evangelist and discovered deep down in my soul a talent that was unknown to me. And that's when he penned the words. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. There came a point in his life when he realized that he needed to stop with the control and hand it over. Now that was 125 years ago. But like I said earlier, I love to hear people's testimonies. Testimonies of what it was like to realize that God was calling on you. So I would like to invite up on the stage with me, Miss Jennifer Smith. Will you welcome her, please? Have a seat. I know you know how to hold one of those. Hello, Miss Jennifer. Hi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for coming up here this morning. Thank you for asking. Yeah, awesome. Miss Jennifer, I, I'm going to ask you just uh, three questions, and just you just take it. Take it and run with it, and um, I'll interrupt whenever I feel like. Okay? <laughs> but this, this is all about you today and the Lord, of course. But Jennifer, tell me, tell, me about, tell me about yourself before you came to know Jesus. Tell me what life was like. It was great. No. Um, so I started, ministry for me was at home. It, was, it didn't start in the church. We, my family, my, my dad was like our minister to our family, and we would have Bible study on Wednesdays after school. We would all open up the Bible and expound on the word. We started as early as I could read. But reading the King James while you're five and six years old is like, um, I was just grateful that I could articulate the words of the thou and the beholds and all those words that I couldn't pronounce. But the fact that I could, I thought, ooh, this is good. And then my dad would say, well, now explain it. I'm like, explain what? I just read the words to you. But explaining and expounding was a whole different realm of me knowing of God and then knowing God. So for years, I knew of God. I knew how to read the Bible to impress my dad. But knowing God was a totally different thing. Mm. So that comes years later. Mm -hmm. So tell me, 
tell me when was it that you began to see that a relationship with Jesus was at the core of it? Ooh, let's see, what year was that? So it was a Good Friday. So my, my spiritual birthday is on a Good Friday. And I believe it was 1993. Uh, <laughs> I was going to a church in uh, New York. I was on the choir. I was on the praise team. Um, I started playing for the church on the keyboards and what have you. And I was taking this particular friend of mine to church. So we carpooled all the time. And I knew that this friend, you know, dealt with drugs and, and just different addictions, but I would always want to take him to church. And I heard during the week of leading up to Good Friday that he got saved. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's like, but God, he does this and that and and the other, and for the very first time, I got jealous. And I know jealousy is not a good thing, but in this instance, I was like, God, I want that. So I went to church on Good Friday, and back in the days of tarrying and what have you, um, I received Christ. Mm. And bouncing off the walls, I even spoke in tongues. Mm -hmm. And it was just one of the most glorious days I've ever seen and felt in my entire life. Mm -hmm. So every Good Friday is a birthday for me. So I'm really 29 and a half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And so you, you spent the first part of your life in church. And you participated in church, in ministry, in worship. You knew scripture. Then you came to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. Tell me, since then, how has it been different from before to now? Accountability comes to play, especially when you know your life is not your own. And, you know, I've gotten married, gotten married twice, have two beautiful children out of that. But my life literally was not my own any longer because I have other people looking at me. Um, the things that have changed, even in my singing, I have a friend of mine now who laughs at me because when I sing, I cry through the song and I can't finish it. It's like, can you finish a song without crying? I'm like, no. Um, I'm a crybaby in the spirit, so, you know, that's, I, that's just my relationship with God. But a lot of things have changed to where I started teaching Bible study in corporate America. Don't know how to stop. People thought it was strange and they wouldn't want to come because they were like, well, you can't do this in a workplace. And I'm like, why not? Well, did you get approval? I'm like, approval from whom? I was radical. I, I didn't care, but people started to come. Mm -hmm. I still do it to this day. Every Thursday we have what we call life lessons over lunch. And I can't wait to meet with others to just talk about Jesus. Mm. And it's so needed in corporate America because a lot of people don't even go to church anymore. And so 
he has already, well, he's called me a long time ago. It was like fast forwarding and, and rewinding. He did call me to ministry. Mm-hmm. And he told me to feed his sheep. And I'm like, I don't want the sheep. I want the lamb because I like children. I like the younger ones. He's like, no, I want you to feed sheep. I'm like, but these old folks won't listen to me. I understand. <laughs> He told me to do it anyway, and I'm like, okay. So whether it's in song, whether it's in word, whether it's in messaging, whether it's just my life, that's mm-hmm. what I do. It wasn't anything about addictions. Mm-hmm. I, I never really liked alcohol, per se. Not to say I don't drink anything, but I don't drink like that. Mm-hmm. I don't smoke. Um, I didn't – I like to be in control. Mm. If you know Janet Jackson – she had an album, Control. That was me. I was Rhythm Nation. I, I mean, every song that you could think of, I was that to a point of being nasty because I wanted it my way. And, you know, it was either my way or the highway because I knew I was right. I was right all the time. I talked to myself. I know I'm right. Mm-hmm. But I had to yield and give up that control because it wasn't about me. Most times I would mess it up anyway. I didn't think I did, but I did it. And I had to get to a place of allowing God to be in the driver's seat. Hmm. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Can you thank Jennifer for coming up here? Thank you so much. We have testimonies. We each have a testimony. And some of our testimony is still getting fleshed out. Uh, but the, the, what, we're, what, we're, what we hear when a testimony is given is that is reality. We hear it from a person straight from them. That this is how the Lord worked in my life. This is how he opened my eyes. In a lot of ways, that eye-opening experience doesn't happen until we say the words, Hear, Lord. Here am I. Here it is. You know, we've been, we've been lied to believe that, uh, that, that the world has so much more to offer us. Fearing those in power. Did you get permission? Oh, oh I got permission. You got permission. Um, you got permission who was their authority to tell you the truth. But we, 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 we live in fear. We live in doubt. We live in confusion. We've been told and lied to to believe that it's just what you build for yourself. I'm here to say that there's there's something else here. This is my, my, my third point. Is that this is what it really means to yield. And that is putting God first in line. Giving God right away means you're putting him in front of the line. That he's the one that you're now following. That he's the one that you have your eyes on. Because if you think about it, when, when you yield to someone and they pull out in front of you, and you have yielded to them, you're now watching their taillights. You're now watching their stop and go. You're now watching them where, where they're going because you don't want to do what? You don't want to crash in front of them, right? You want to watch them. They're the ones who's leading. So here's what Deuteronomy 31.8 says. It says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Isaiah 45, 2, I will go before you and I will make the rough places smooth. I like that. I like that one because when we yield to God, we have someone that we can trust, that we know that does not lie to us, that knows where he is directing us, that knows that where he's taking us is better than any place that I could take myself and that the journey will be more bearable with him leading than if I was. Yielding means you place yourself behind the direction and protection of the Lord. So maybe, maybe for you today, you've heard something. You've heard something through the testimony. You've heard something through, through these points or, or just, just in the spirit and the atmosphere of this room right here and now to lead you to realize that you've been running away for too long. Here's my encouragement. Yield. Perhaps you recognize that, yes, Jesus as Savior is so important to me. How about Jesus as Lord? How about Jesus as your leader? How important is that to you today? Perhaps there is something going on in your life that you've been holding on to for too long, and it's time to hand it over and ask him to handle it. Maybe it's you yourself. Maybe it is an addiction. Maybe it is a hurt. Maybe it's a hang-up. Maybe it's something that you've been wrestling with. Or like I said, maybe it is just you. You've run too long. Give it over. Let him be Lord. Pray with me.